This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with a great guest. She has been on the podcast before. She's a historian, a tour guide, a woman about town. It's Jen Levitt. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. I'm happy to be here. Oh, good. Thank you for coming back. This is a first uh, for Obsessed where I have talked to somebody about not only coming back. I've talked to people about coming back and they've come back, but we did an episode about Frank Lloyd Wright architecture. We did. And then there's a spooky one. So I was like, you should come back for a Halloween time, and yes. we should do a spooky episode. Yes, and, and now here it's I spooky am. time. It's spooky time. I'm here. I'm ready to talk about spooky things. We're ready to be spooky in the middle of the afternoon. Are you, in general, uh, a spooky person? Do you like Halloween? Are you putting skeleton gifts on Twitter? Um, I don't have a spooky Twitter name. I don't have skeleton gifts. I'm not much. I don't know. I'm not much of a Halloween person. Okay. Um. In that way, I do like murder a lot, though. Um, <laughs> like true crimes. Okay. That, it's, that's more true my crimes. true crimes. Yeah. Um, I can't not say murder. I just have to say it that way. I'm sorry. Um, it's going to be a long podcast. Yes. I'm sorry. It's going to be a four hour podcast. Um, no, but not like Halloween proper per okay. se. Um, scary movies are too scary for me. Okay. So, but I like, like I said, true crime kind of stuff. Okay. Do you go to Halloween parties? Is that something you enjoy? Do you like dressing up or is it like, eh? I have been to Halloween parties <laughs> once. No, um, uh, not recently. I don't know. I, I'm not much of a cost. I, I have a philosophy that um, every day I am wearing my best costume for the day, a la Little Edie from Grey Gardens. Yeah. So I just feel like Halloween is not an occasion where I need to also wear a different costume. Right. Because we talked about on the previous episode that you cosplay as the Frank Lloyd Wright house that you work at, Hollyhock House. Yes. And that's like, that's some Halloween shit right there. But you just do that on a Tuesday or it's whatever. Ju- it's just like a random Saturday kind okay. of activity. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't. I don't do a lot of that stuff. I think one year for Halloween, I um, I was being really esoteric and I was like, I'm just going to wear all black and giant sunglasses and my costume is that I'm incognito. <laughs> and everyone's like, what? Okay. It's a little, okay. Um, and then there was also one year where I wore um, a trench coat and just was sort of shifty eyed and I was like, I'm sketchy. <laughs> I really like this. Yeah. Yeah. I love Halloween, but I struggle with uh, dressing up for Halloween. So these are some good ideas. Yeah, that... you can have those. Okay. I might Free take them. Go just, for it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, need, I need a sign, though, because I can't just walk around wearing a trench coat going, <laughs> I'm hey. shifty. Yeah, that would, be, that would be a little weird, I guess. Yeah, but, um... absolutely. Uh, all right. So true crime is kind of what we're talking about. So I should do a quick content warning. This is going to be, a, there's going to be some real life, scary, violent, weird stuff. But in the spirit of, uh, of spooky times where we look at scary things and try to have a uh, sense of understanding and maybe even whimsy about them, that's <laughs> what you're in for. If you're not into that kind of thing, I understand. I want to warn you at the top. So there is a Frank Lloyd Wright murder house, and it is so much more than that, right? It, yes, it absolutely is. It is. Uh, it's actually his house okay. or one of his houses that he lived in, not a house that he built for someone else. Um, So this happened like way back in the 1900s. So I should also say, um, I like true crimes that are old timey. Yeah. Um, Like things that wouldn't necessarily be like, you can't send someone a bottle of poison in the mail and that they would drink it now, but that used to happen. Yeah. I like that kind of 
crimes. Now, so yeah, like we're gonna pause right away because <laughs> yeah. I need to know more about why you like it. Because because there, that's why I'm attracted to this too. Like sometimes true crime stuff, I'm just sort of like I can't find a way into being having an entertaining attitude about that. Right. But there's something about the old time murder. I don't know if it's the distance that you can kind of reflect on different times. Yeah, it's ab- like distance is a big part of it. I think because uh, it feels very removed and. I mean, like I said, poisoning is not something that just happens today. So it, it's easy to sort of separate myself from the horror of that yeah. in a way. Um, and it, it it also, I think a lot of true crime now is feels very um, dark and not necessarily in an entertaining way. And so I just, I, I find that... Um, old time things that just wouldn't happen are are really i'm just fascinated by them yeah yeah there's like why would why Why? yeah (laughs) like almost a cartoon element to it i think maybe just because the amount of time has passed like when you say you know poison people i picture a little bottle with a skull and crossbones on it and that intersection between reality and cartoon becomes sort of like this is fascinating and weird and funny. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, back in the day, people would just mail you bottles of potions and it was not a thing to drink them. <laughs> like, that's the sort of thing that I'm just like, whoa, hold on a second now. A uh, lot of faith in the yeah, postal system alone. Yeah, right? Yeah. Exactly. So like, that's, I think that's what, um, it, it, so this is all to say, I guess, that uh, this is just like the perfect middle of the Venn diagram of um, things I like, which is yeah. old-timey crimes <laughs> and Frank Lloyd Wright uh, architecture. <laughs> the perfect Venn diagram. <laughs> Truly. And it is really insane because it is also one of those stories that keeps being like, that. that's a really weird thing that happened, but that, but that, but that. So it yeah, just, walk it just us gets, through. Okay, so it, it, it starts, it starts uh, in the early 1900s in... Uh, Oak Park, Illinois, which is where Frank Lloyd Wright was living at the time. It was pretty early in his career, and he was still designing a lot of houses for people in his neighborhood. Okay. Um, Oak Park is a has actually a lot of his houses now, but uh, so he he was uh, working with a client and ended up. Uh, falling in love with that guy's wife. Okay. Is where we have to start this story. <laughs> um, it'll go somewhere, I promise. And is he married at this point? He is also married okay. to his first wife, Kitty. Um, they have kids. Uh, his now mistress also is married with kids, of course. Um, and it became sort of just a local Chicago high society scandal. Okay. But it wasn't, no one much cared beyond that. Uh Neither of their respective spouses would give them a divorce because it was the early 1900s and yeah. it was just sort of looked down upon. Uh, so uh, Frank Lloyd Wright and uh, his mistress, Mayma, I think is how we say it. Uh, Mayma? Mayma, M-A-M-A-H. <laughs> her real name was Martha, but that okay. was her nickname. So, she, so they were like, well, we're just going to go to Europe for a year peace out okay so they do that and then they realize that maybe they can't just do that forever so they come back and it's still a big scandal everyone's like no you know they're just totally <laughs> over like can't monocles have... are still falling out of people's exactly. eyes exactly okay. so so frank Lloyd wright says fine i will go build us a house in spring green wisconsin which is sort of up um 
up north in Wisconsin, and that I'll build a house for us. It'll be my love letter to Maymaw. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that is very oldie timey, just right there. Yep. Yep, absolutely. So uh, he calls it Taliesin. It's still called that. You can still go tour it. Uh, and it, Taliesin, I think, is Welsh for something, as a side note. Okay. But, um, so he builds this house, and it's sort of in the middle of nowhere, but there's local people. And now they are also scandalized by the, this unmarried couple that are living uh, at Taliesin. They're like, how dare they? And there was a lot of rumors in the papers that they were, like, running around naked and stuff, and none of it was... none of. It wasn't any other purpose. It wasn't like he built this house for someone else and then they nope. uh, shacked up there every once in a while. It was, this is a house for me and Mima yes. to cheat on our spouses Right. At. This is our house. We <laughs> live here. This is where we live. Um, Mistress Mansion. Mistress Mansion. Exactly. Um, why didn't he call it that? <laughs> Jeez. Um, so they live there and then for... Uh, a few years, they were fine. They were happy. And in the summer of 1911, I think it was, um, Frank Lloyd Wright was in Chicago working on a, I think it was called the Midway Gardens Project. It was like a botanical garden building and things like that. So he's in Chicago. It's a hot August day. And uh I should also say that the house, the Taliesin house also had his architecture studio and school. So okay. he had a staff of people that were working there. Too. Yeah. And so, is the house itself like a, a nice Frank Lloyd Wright house, an interesting yeah. house? Is it really designed or is it just like, hey, I threw this up real quick. It's got no, uh, it's four actually, walls and a roof to have sex in. Well, uh, it is very nice. I can't say what it looked like then. I assume it was also very nice and I'll, I'll get yeah. to that in a moment. Okay. Um, so what happened was, so it's August. Uh, Mayma and her two children are there and then the staff is there and they also had, it was a big house. It, it still is a big house and it they have a, uh, a housekeeping butler cook okay. kind of staff, um, and so the the so there are conflicting accounts here. Some people say it was the cook. Some people say it was the butler. I'm going to go with the butler because okay. <laughs> I just like that better. Um, uh, he came out to the porch where Mima and her children were eating and or served them their lunch, and then uh, proceeded to chop them up with an axe. Okay. Murder part. Murder. Yeah. Murder. Um, and so he then very calmly walks to the other end of the house where the school or the architecture studios are, and that's where the, the staff are. Uh, they He goes in the room, serves them their lunch. After I, the axing? After the axing of Maimon, the two kids, yes. Okay. And So there's some good soundproofing probably for the staff well, quarters. It's very large. Okay. It's a very large house, and they were on opposite ends is my understanding. Uh, so he walks over there. He serves them their lunch. He then locks the door behind them because I guess it was a private room that wasn't necessarily attached to, you couldn't get to other parts of the house from it. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Locks the door, pours gasoline under the door, and one of the guys inside is like, what's that smell? That's not water. Ugh. And so then the room is like suddenly in flames. Wow. And so one of the guys that's in there sees that there's a window and he jumps through the window to try and escape and then uh the butler julian uh chopped them all up with an axe as they were getting out of the 
on fire was house. so julian is the murderer the murder was yes. he waiting or he was, was it like you guys are gonna get away i gotta he was wait he was waiting um it's not cl- so there's a lot of there's a there's, there's not a ton of information yeah. about all of this but what i from what i've read uh he was basically just standing outside with his hatchet okay waiting for them uh so in total, so they all jump out the window and he chops them up and some of them are on fire and it's like very, ugh. a lot going it's on, a lot happening. So in total, seven people were murdered with an axe and up until recently, it was still the largest mass murder in Wisconsin history. Wow. Um, yeah. So uh, up until like very recently, within the last few years. So... Yeah, so then, so this is all, so now the house is like very much on fire. Yeah. I think in total about 80% of it burned down, but uh, Julian, the butler, uh, thinks he's going to escape with his wife, who was also on the staff. And he hasn't done any hatchet business with his wife. No. That's good. Yes, Uh, exactly. Something to cling to in the horror. Some small piece of... (laughs) goodness in this uh and so he goes to he thinks they're going to escape he goes to hide in the boiler room furnace basement area okay thinking he'll hide down there and after about five or six hours it becomes very clear to him that he's not going to escape because the house is now 80 percent on fire (laughs) and the fire department is here and surrounded the whole area so he can't there's nowhere for him to go why did he think is it just murderers naturally go to basements? Why did he think that was the place to go? I think he was hiding until he thought he could escape. Okay. He thought he would hide there. When it became clear to him that he was not going to escape, he drank poison. What? Well, he drank poison. Uh, He's like trying to use everything in Clue, right? I know, okay. basically. Um, no candlesticks, though. <laughs> uh, he drinks this poison, but it doesn't kill him. So they find him and they capture him and they take him to jail. <laughs> and, Is he the only survivor or did anybody else survive? Uh, there were a few other survivors. I think his wife was one and there were some of the staff people that might not have been there that day. Okay. And obviously Frank Lloyd Wright survived. Because he wasn't there he at all. He wasn't there at all. Okay. Um, so they capture him. They take him to jail where they're like very convinced that we're going to put you on trial and we're going to do this. And it's clear that he's just becoming increasingly sicker and sicker from the poison he's yeah. drank. And after six or seven weeks, he dies. Uh, okay. And at no point in those six or seven weeks did he ever give anybody any indication why he did it. Uh it, my theory is that he just had a mental break. Yeah. Um, his wife said that he had been sort of increasingly more paranoid recently. So that, yeah. that's my theory. But no one knows really for sure why he did any okay. of it. Um, yeah. And the, and the police obviously didn't really try to get anything out of him. or just like... They, I mean, they tried and he would tell them one story and then another story. And so okay. they just sort of... They went through the charade of we're going to put you on trial... But, but why? Yeah, but why? Because it was so clear he wasn't going to survive. Okay. Um, yeah. And then once all of this happened, only then uh, did did Frank Lloyd Wright become sort of a national scandal. Okay. <laughs> only then. Because it got when it got to the newspapers, which I imagine it, it would, uh, of this horrible axe murder f- poison fire debacle. Yes. 
Was it also like, and by the way, it's at Mistress Mansion that this happened? Exactly. That's what actually scandalized people more <laughs> than the murder, fire, poison yeah. business. Um, bec- that was that was everyone's breaking point, apparently. They're like, how dare he? Uh, we'll never <laughs> work with him again. Um, uh, and they were like, and also the burned down house is sad, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was only then that people were like, well, I don't know. I don't know about working with that guy. Yeah. Um, but his house burned down two more times after that. He had rebuilt Taliesin and then okay. he burned down twice more after that for non-murder reasons. Non-murder reasons. Just, okay. Yeah. So uh, that's the that's the tale. Okay. So um, was he, did he offer any reaction, explanation? Did he say anything publicly about... Frank Lloyd Wright? Yeah. He he did uh, well. He was a man of the press. He loved to give them all access to his life, and so he um, he did he did come out and say he was really devastated, and that Mayma was the love of his life, and he was very upset. And um, I think later in his life, he said something like, "Fire just seems to follow me everywhere I go." So <laughs> that's he, a hell of a thing for a famous architect to say. <laughs> Right, uh, so he he was he was on the record as being very uh, publicly devastated about it, but by like so that happened what in August, and by Christmas he had a new girlfriend. So okay, I, I don't know how devastated he really was, but he sure said he was. Was this the girlfriend that was installed at the house later? Because I read one article about this when you had first brought it up. Uh, when we did our first episode together, you're mm-hmm. like, maybe I could talk about this. And, and I read it. It was like, this is too much to just touch on lightly. We need to do a full episode. Yes. Uh, is it accurate that he got a condolence letter from somebody else who became his new metri- mi- new mistress and then he installed her in the rebuilt house? Uh, Olga Vanna, I think, is her name. And yes, I do think... Th- I, I don't know the... I've not heard that story about her sending a letter, but it wouldn't surprise me in the least. Okay. She very much inserted herself into his life. Um, so it was really like, I hear you have an opening at your nice house that you built for a mistress. Yeah. You're gonna rebuild it anyway. How about? <laughs> Might as right. well. Yes. Yes. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She she really ended up controlling a lot of his life. And so all of when he passed away and his archives were opened up, they found a manuscript. It was not written by him. And now I'm blanking on who wrote it, but it was called Loving Frank. And it's this fictionalized account of his and Maymaw's relationship. And Olga Vanna was not having it. Uh, <laughs> she was not here for it. Yeah. And... When she passed away, that's when uh, it was released, and everyone thinks that she would have just had it would have she would have just thrown a fit if if she knew that. Okay, because she didn't. She just really didn't want any of this murder story or any of it. She just really wanted it to go away. Okay, once she came into the picture, and you said that she was a major influence on his life. So, how long did the second mistress stay around? Well, she became his wife. Oh, okay. She became his wife eventually, but she started as a mistress, I suppose, uh, or a girlfriend. I don't know, but uh, she—they were together, I think, until the end of his life. Oh, wow! And if you go see some of his later work, you will sometimes see that, or, or. Docents will point out, oh yeah, she designed this. Like, oh okay, she was very involved in in all of it. I think she also had something to do with where he. 
she had him exhumed from wherever he was originally buried and then wanted to move him to where she was going to be buried. I don't know. She had a lot of things to... Okay. She had a lot of opinions. Okay. So it, <laughs> uh, so she becomes a major part of his life, a major part yeah. of his work. She uh, graduates from uh, mistress to full-fledged partner, but stays in... Uh, how do you pronounce it? Taliesin? Taliesin. Taliesin. Uh, I guess, yeah. They, they lived there basically the rest of... Their life. I mean, he also had Taliesin West, which is his house out on the West Coast. Oh, so he named another house after the one with an axe murder that burned down multiple times. Absolutely. You got it. <laughs> Frank Lloyd Hubris Wright. Yeah. He, yeah. yeah. He, nothing's going to stop him. Um, yeah. So they, they did. She lived uh, in Taliesin. I don't know how much time she spent at the West version. But okay. Yeah. And now when it burned down the second time, the article I read said it was just like faulty wiring or something. Yeah, the, it was just faulty wiring, electrical stuff. And then I think the third time was a lightning strike. What? A light, no. A lightning struck their house. If <laughs> on Halloween, right? Probably on Halloween. <laughs> yes, yes. Or right after Frank Lloyd Wright said something blasphemous, lightning struck. Yes, that, that all checks out. <laughs> it seems about right. That is so weird. So when did it become... Uh, it's it's a museum right now, right? You, you can, can tour take, it. It's a yep. historic landmark. All you that you can go take tours of it. It sure is. Okay. Yeah. Do they? When did that happen? Uh, when did that happen? That's a good question. I I assume it would have had to have happened after both he and Olga Vanna passed away. So I don't. I actually don't know when she passed away, but it has been around as a house museum for a good long while. Okay, so um, maybe like maybe sixties, seventies, somewhere in that kind of yeah, ballpark. Because yeah. I mean, that's when a lot of the houses right. in our modern times have uh, yeah exactly. flipped over from one kind of uh, people of that era who <laughs> almost always seem to have some murder in their lives. Murder, murder. And it's rich people. Yep, yep. So yeah, it's been around as a house museum for a long, a long good time at okay. this point. And has it? changed design then massively all the different times he rebuilt it uh i do think it changed from you know between the three versions that he ultimately built i don't think the foundation was necessarily super different okay but uh he did end up sort of modifying and tweaking things as he rebuilt yeah things and now do they embrace in the tour program what happened at this house it's it's funny you ask that because coincidentally, my aunt just visited Taliesin uh, this past weekend and she texted me today to say, I want to talk to you about this. But also there was a real dork on our tour who wouldn't stop asking about the murders <laughs> and the, the tour guide was visibly agitated about it. So Ooh. I don't know. That said, though, I have read a fair amount of research about the murders that came from people that work at Taliesin. So... I don't know where they stand on it. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It seems like some people... I get the impression that there are some Frank Lloyd Wright enthusiasts who are much like Olga Vanna. They don't want to talk about it. <laughs> it's not... They're here for the art. They're only here for the art. Um, I'm here for the art, not the murder. Could yeah. be a little button that they yeah. sell. And I'm here for both the art and the murder. So I'm like, I'll talk about it all day. Yeah. Um, when I am giving tours, I like to sort of drop in into my tour. I can't... I don't want to like tell the whole story because it's obviously a lot but i do like to just drop in on my hollyhock house tours like and he was in some scandal pause 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 and just wait for someone to be like what what scandal (laughs) so then i get to tell them but mistress fire axe murder yeah 
no big deal poison it's all good (laughs) poison it's all good (laughs) yeah that is it's a fascinating relationship with that so many historic places have with a murderer or murder adjacent uh in minnesota where i'm from glen sheen for a long time didn't want to touch the murders that happened there and i think they finally embraced them mm-hmm. um the museum i worked at uh, the mill city museum was a place that had exploded and burned down and had multiple people who died there but oh, we were no. i mean it was a big industrial it was a flour mill uh-huh. and like wow. the saddest story there was there were two generations of men who had drowned there a uh, father had fallen into one of the uh, spillways where the water exits. Oh, my gosh. And then his son was like, well, the family needs money, so I'm going to go work there. And he drowned in wheat. He drowned in, in actual wheat? wheat in one of the elevator, you know, uh, the grain elevators. So, th- like, we didn't ever shy away from it, but it wasn't the only thing we were we were known for the explosion. And we talked about the explosion all the time. Mm-hmm. That's And people died there, but yeah. it was a little bit... So they let they, they, ghoulish. En- they encourage you to embrace the explosion part or uh, there are still billboards in Minnesota that say visit the mu- most explosive museum in Minnesota. Well, they that's good marketing. Super uh, because it, everybody you, goes very quickly to the science of it. Sure. There's yeah. a lot of like you can walk through that museum. And you'll hear people like, well, actually, flour is one of the most combustible. Uh, <laughs> but then when it got down to the more grisly, the more personal, mm-hmm. there's a little bit of a. A gentle, you know, yeah. touch on that. Right. Uh, so I find it fascinating uh, because obviously it's going to sell tickets. Mm-hmm. Right. If you were like, come see the mistress murder house, that would sell tickets. Yes. And yes, yet, I think it would. Yeah. So do you think that uh, as somebody who works in this world, do you think they should lean into it? Um, my understanding is that Taliesin now offers a loving Frank tour, um, <laughs> which is based on that fictional book I mentioned. I know it's. We'll talk about the murders during Loving Friends. Yeah, and, and I don't, I don't know how much they actually talk about it, or just talk about their relationship uh, of the Mistress Mansion Love Cottage. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how much they embrace it, but it seems like they do tours, but it's maybe not so directly. Yeah, like about the murder. Okay, so Frank Lloyd Wright is quite famous. Why don't? People know this more commonly. Did it get buried on purpose? Uh, well, yeah. So I think, um, like I said, Olga Vanna really wanted to make sure no one talked about it. So I think it did get suppressed. There's also just not a ton of information about it out there. Um, the one book that I know exists is called Death in a Prairie House. Um, I think the author's name is William Drennan, and it was only written like 10 years ago. But he basically did all this research, and even he said there's not a ton of research. Like okay. even newspapers, there's not – there's just not a lot out there about what happened and what went down with it. Yeah. Um. So people have sort of cobbled it together. But even though it was this big national scandal for a moment – um, it faded pretty quickly, yeah. too. Is it something about, like, Frank Lloyd Wright? And you said he was a, a person of the press who knew how to handle it. Why has it not become a part of his legend, though? I don't, I mean, I, I don't know. I think it depends on who you ask. But <laughs> Some people would consider it part of his legend, and a lot just don't know about it. Yeah. I don't know why. I think he didn't really want to embrace it as part of his genius like he was much more concerned with the press knowing that he was the greatest architect of all time okay he didn't really he didn't care about he didn't he just didn't want to publicize that he wanted everyone to know him for being 
Yeah. The best. And he downplayed the murder, but the mistress stuff he was loud and proud about, right? He was. He was. I think, <laughs> what was his quote? It was something like, um, there are different rules for geniuses than for people who are just having an affair or something like that. Yeah. Something to that effect. Yeah. Um, I actually wrote it down because I was going to ask you about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll ask you about it in a bit. Yeah. Because uh, that is a pretty shocking quote. When did you first find out about this? When, when did it become part of your life? Did you already know about it before you became involved in a Frank Lloyd Wright space? I did not know about it until I started uh, being a docent at Hollyhock House and someone just sort of casually dropped it into conversation like, oh, yeah, the murders. And I was like, excuse me, (laughs) say what now? Um, So I uh, someone pointed me in the direction of Death in a Prairie House, that book. And I was like, hey, library, please buy this book. I'm probably on a list for suggesting that they buy that book now, but um, it's fine. It's fine. So they did. So I, I read that book and I was like, I need to know more about this. So I, it's relatively new to me, like within the last maybe four or five years okay. um, that I have become aware of it. Okay. And I grew up around a lot of Frank Lloyd Wright houses and I still didn't know about any of it. Yeah. So, um, when you were on before, we talked a lot about his various philosophy of building houses and that he did build them for people, but he always built them with his own ideas in mind and his own ego ego in art. Bit. Yeah. So when he's setting out to build a house to cheat on his wife in, how how do you make how did he make architecture that was like, this is the right line of movement on the south wall for cheating on my wife? You know, he did try to make it very f- uh, fortress-like, I think. Okay. It was definitely surrounded by a lot of woods. Um, so that sort of shielded them a little bit too. Um, in terms of the actual architectural elements, I, I'm not sure. I, I'm, I don't even know what to say about that. I mean, <laughs> um, any different than any of his other stuff. Yeah. I, I don't know that he, he was super, he didn't diverge that much. Okay. I think the woods shielded them quite a the bit. The woods shielded him. Yeah, and a fortress uh, aesthetic yeah. makes sense. Yeah. I will say, though, uh, he's very well known for making homes very private. So the th- for clients, he would build houses where the door might be on the side of the house okay. instead of facing the street. And he did that in the aftermath of this because oh, really? people just like were constantly hounding them and then the fire happened and yeah. all of that. So that's why he does it. Or that's why he did it was because this whole the whole scandal just really sort of rocked him okay. in that way. So he just moved the door to a place where like locals from Wisconsin can just walk up and go, why are you rebuilding this? Hello. <laughs> why did yeah, you do this? I, I don't know. Like he would always put entrances on the side of houses that weren't facing the street or, you know, he'd obscure them so that it was hard to find them. Yeah. He'd be like, hello, hello, where's the door? Um, <laughs> and Yeah. So a lot of his houses are like that now. Okay. All right. If you were super wealthy, uh, and I'm, I'm not going to create a scenario in which you were married and cheating, but if you were super wealthy and you could build a house that was just for dating, of like you had your house that you lived in, but then you had a separate, just entire structure that was just for the purpose of romance, would what, what would you make that like? Um, I think it would have an ice cream bar <laughs> and probably a, a hammock and a tree swing. Um, this is a very oldie time romance. <laughs> yes. And a soda fountain for old yep. fashioned. Yes, old so- fashioned yeah, stuff. absolutely. I mean, old fashioned sounds yeah, great. Yeah, old fashioned sounds great. Yeah. Um, uh, I think it would definitely need those things. Um, also, maybe a karaoke machine. 
<laughs> I like to do activities. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. It would be it would be a place for lots of it would practically be a carnival. Yeah, basically. Just <laughs> Just a carnival of fun. <laughs> that sounds like a, a great a great house to date in. A carnival of fun. <laughs> uh, why do you think Frank Lloyd Wright kept rebuilding the house? What in his personality was like, this was already, uh, I was going to say a lightning rod without meaning it to be a joke. Uh, it was already a, a place of controversy. Then it was the site of an absolute horror and tragedy. Why did he rebuild it? I think he considered, well, he was from Wisconsin, so I think he considered Wisconsin his home, and I think he really considered Spring Green his home. So he, even, I mean, I personally would have thought it would have a lot of terrible memories associated (laughs) with it, and I don't know that I'd want to live there, but um, I think he just really thought it was his home and that he could rebuild it in such a way that would maintain his privacy. Okay. I, I, I don't know. I mean... I'm not sure why he kept rebuilding yeah. it. I wouldn't, but... <laughs> Do you think that defiance makes sense in his... That just, like, nothing will stop me? Axes, fire, lightning, nothing will stop me? That would stand to reason. That sounds about right on the nose for him. <laughs> so, yeah, that's probably a, a fair a fair assumption. Okay, okay. Uh, I can't remember if we talked before about your level of uh, belief, acceptance, whatever, in the possibility of hauntings of ghosts of spirits. Where are you at on the that spectrum of belief? Mm, I, I like the idea of it. I don't know how much I believe in it. Yeah. Um, but I like the mythology and the storytelling that comes from this idea of haunted places yeah um that said though my high school job was definitely haunted <laughs> by, was... A, by a ghost named clint <laughs> what was your high school job um i worked i was a receptionist at a like the hair salon in town and it was also like a spa so we did massages and things and the building was built in the 1800s and it used to be an old grocery store yeah it was so old that the basement was still, or the cellar was still, like, dirt floors down there. Um, and Clint the ghost got really mad if we would go there. And he would start to lock doors and unlock doors. And nail polish would fly off the walls. And a mannequin head would spin. And you witnessed all these things? I did witness many of those things. Okay. Some of them were just told to me. Um, it was enough that most of my coworkers, who were adults... Did not want to be there by themselves. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'm fine. It's good. I'll help you. Um, <laughs> so I would like just they didn't want to be there by themselves at night because Clint the ghost might okay. come and get him. Was there an actual story behind Clint or did people just name a random ghost Clint? So I did some research. This uh, budding <laughs> high school journalist, Jen, uh, I, I was like. I need to know. I didn't know his name was Clint initially, um, but everyone at the salon was like, oh, it's definitely haunted. So I started asking around, and as it turns out, my English teacher in high school was like, oh, yeah, I knew Clint. He was a nice guy. He was kind of <laughs> grumpy, though. And so I just uh, did a lot. I just ran with it from there and found out a lot more about Clint. Okay. Um, he owned that grocery store for a real long time, and he doesn't want to give it up. Okay. Do you think he was... Upset that it wasn't a grocery store anymore? I think he was just mad people were in his space. Oh, yeah. He just... I mean, I don't know that he cared if it was or wasn't a grocery store. Okay. I think he was just mad that someone took over his space. Did you ever try to speak to Clint? I did not. Okay. Um, 
I don't think so. I don't think so, no. Okay, so even though you had this experience where you feel like you saw the actual poltergeist actions of Clint, the ghost grocer, yeah, uh, you don't actively walk into a space and say, I believe there's an actual ghost here. Not very often, no. Okay. I, I, I'm habitually skeptical of okay. it, but I still like the idea of it, and I still like um, the idea that it could be yeah i think i'm similar of like i do i i am open to the possibility but i feel like sometimes when somebody says i experienced this i feel like they haven't eliminated all of the possibilities that would explain it uh, but i am open to the idea right uh so do you think that this house the mistress mansion would be haunted if any of them are haunted it's probably that one yeah um when you say any of them, you mean the Frank Lloyd Wright houses? Yes, I should clarify. Anything that he built, that's probably got to be the one that's haunted. Because, um, I mean, actual murders happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, I mean, so it's, I would say yes, that's the one. If any any of his houses are going to be okay. haunted, it's definitely Taliesin. So you also said, as we're talking here about uh, hauntings, that you like the idea of a space being haunted. Do you have a, like a... Do you have a broader sense of what that means than any sort of stereotypical uh, Clint in the basement throwing shit? Because uh, <laughs> like, I, I was surprised when I first moved here to Los Angeles that it's a larger conversation here because this is a big city where murders are naturally going to happen, but also lots of young people have come here over the years and have taken their own lives out of frustration, desperation, being treated poorly. So like the amount of people who have an opinion on it or want to point out there are seven buildings on this block, and six of them are haunted. Uh, that it's just such a, it's such an idea of that um, spaces, even if you don't believe there's an actual spirit there, that spaces can be affected by what has happened there before. Yeah, yeah. I so I think of like the Winchester Mystery House, and I think you had an episode about this one. Yeah, maybe yeah, long yeah. Ago, but... It was a bonus episode for oh, the patrons, but yeah, Sarah and I went there. Yeah, and so I like the idea that that place might be haunted, even though it's absolutely not haunted. Like yeah. I like that kind of idea where um, there's just been such this mythology, and um, we we have all created the idea of the ghosts that yeah. now it is haunted, even though, like I said, it's absolutely not haunted. Yeah. Um, that's, ki- that's a space I like to live in. Like the Magic Castle, as I understand it, likes to claim that um, Houdini haunts them. Okay. No one send me an email if I'm wrong about that, but um, – <laughs> That he's haunting uh, the magic castle uh, and you can have seances. And I find that very funny because Harry Houdini thought seances and people coming back from the dead was total garbage. Yeah. So, like, that's the that's the sort of haunting stuff I can I get into. Didn't he go to the Winchester house to debunk it? I think he did that as well, yes. Yeah, so that's, that's a real asshole thing for the magic castle to do. No offense to big fans of the magic castle. No, but he, <laughs> I think yeah. this is haunted by a guy who didn't believe in haunting. Ooh, yeah. Well, because when he got really popular, the whole um, seance and, you know, that whole movement was major, major at that time. And he basically just went about it as trying to debunk all of it. He's like, none of that's real. Seances aren't real. You can't talk to people from the dead. (laughs) He even, I think, made a deal with his wife that when he died, he was like, you have a seance just to prove me me right. And she did. And And he was right. And he was right. I mean, probably right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So you haven't visited the the mansion yourself. I have not visited Taliesin personally, no. It's on my bucket list. Okay. What do you think you will feel? Because like you said, you're bringing your own energy into a place like uh, Winchester. Um, what energy do you think you would bring with that? Do you think it would feel haunted to you? Or do you, do you think it would feel very like... Nah, shit happens. It's just life. This is just another house. <laughs> um, I, you know, I don't know. Uh, I feel like there is so much other history at Taliesin that I'm not sure I would immediately be like, oh, it's spooky and haunted here. Um, but I don't know. I, on the other hand, um, I have been to Greystone Mansion here in Los Angeles and immediately was like, oh, it's very haunted in here. I can just feel it. Um, even though that may or may not be true. What did you feel? Uh, I just felt like, well, I just sort of giggled to myself. But I was like, what's happening? Like, what is going on in here? It's wacky. And I think Greystone is also interesting because it's very empty. Yeah. When I, or at least it was when I went inside. So I think that just added to this spookiness of it. Um, I think Greystone is also a place that buys into its haunting a little bit more. I'm not so sure that Tally, like I said, I don't know that the Taliesin folks are buying into that they're, that they're uh, haunted. Yeah. So it might, it might not, it might not feel as haunted perhaps because they don't, you know, yeah. They're not into it. Greystone is very factual about the actual murder that happened there. Yes. And the actual murder is, I think, could be spooky, but it's not. It's very it, political. Yeah, it was political and business. and Yeah, it could be romance. Who knows? It could uh, be a lot of things. Yeah, for people who don't know, it's just basically it was involved in the Teapot Dome scandal, and there was a, a the owner of the house and his secretary were both gunned down and... There's a murder-suicide probably, but there's no agreement on no who shot who, sure. and there's all sorts of interesting, fascinating things with it. And Greystone doesn't have like a thriving like day-to-day tourism program. They have weddings, and right. they're still, they're told. Yeah, they get, yeah. They, they know what they're getting into. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think even though they, yeah, they do weddings and stuff there, I think that place would probably feel a little more spooky to me. Okay. Okay. I can't really pinpoint why, though. Yeah. It, is it more just like the mood of the architecture that's affecting you than any actual... I mean, when you go into Taliesin, as I understand it, it's got all the furniture and if it's still... they, they It's treated much more with this reverence like a house museum, I think. Yeah. And I think um, that's, for me at least sort of negates any any like ooh spooky feelings that might okay. that I might have otherwise had cuz for me a lot of it's mood and yeah you know that kind of stuff okay i would love to go there cuz i'm curious how how i would feel in mm-hmm. the space yeah cuz to me it seems like that is a a place that would feel haunted to me because of the um Effort to cover it up isn't quite right because it's not like they're not, but they're just like, and then he rebuilt it and it's fine. Come on in. Let's no look at deal. his, let's look at his art. And it yeah. feels like, but there are a lot of truly deeply moral questions about the idea of explicitly having uh, a house you built for your mistress. And then what, what broke this murderer? Was it, yeah. it, was it truly a mental, just chemicals not great? Or was he pushed that way by 
yeah. something in his employment history. Yeah, I mean, there are theories that he was going to be fired or okay. that that was his last day on the job. Well, we do know that was his last day on the job. And, and the theory... <laughs> well, obviously, but I mean, you mean... <laughs> but, but even had the murders not occurred, it would still have been his last day on the job. <laughs> Although that is a great title for the movie of this, Last yes. Day on the Job. Last Day on the Job. The butler did it. That's that's what I want it to be called. Um, so yeah, there are theories that... Um, um, he he had been fired by Mema or Frank Lloyd Wright had fired him or something. But even still, like disgruntled employee, that's a that's a lot of effort to go it, to. It's a lot of disgruntled. It's yeah, a, it's very disgruntled. Yeah. So I don't know if I necessarily buy into that. Yeah, I think my bias, if I'm ever to believe a haunting, though, is that not that like Harry Houdini would be like, I did magic. Maybe I should haunt the magic castle. Hey. I don't believe in hauntings of like convenience or fun. Of like, mm-hmm. hey, I died and I like baseball. I'm gonna live in a stadium. <laughs> I am am uh, fascinated by. I'm trapped. Something that happened to me in this space is such a part of of who I am in death that I can't leave. Like that's mm. the thing that's romantic and fascinating to me in this idea that mm-hmm. maybe we don't. Maybe you. You know, like there are things in Twin Peaks which I love about like souls getting bound into wood and things like mm-hmm. maybe you can't escape from something that needs to be dealt with. Right. And it seems like me to a house where a lot of things weren't dealt with. Yeah, that that's that's very true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. A lot of uh, leftover baggage there. A lot of leftover baggage. <laughs> Let me uh, uh, read this quote that we were talking about earlier and ask you about it. Uh, here is what uh, Frank Lloyd Wright, I think, just told the newspaper proudly. Laws and rules are made for the average. The ordinary man cannot live without rules to guide his conduct. It is infinitely more difficult to live without rules, but that is what the really honest, sincere thinking man is compelled to do. Ooh. <laughs> yep. Like I said, he really thought very highly of himself. <laughs> do you think it is more difficult uh, to live without rules? Um, yeah, I mean, yes, I th- <laughs> I need limits. <laughs> and, please limit me, society. Please limit me. Um, and I think uh, f- having limits also means that you can um, you can press yourself creatively. Okay. Like, which is maybe when you have rules or confines in which you have to work or live or i mean that's perhaps more on the creative side than say just don't murder people (laughs) Um, but also i'm glad that that's a rule right (laughs) so even though this sounds utterly egotistical in a way you can uh, see what he's saying yeah uh is that if if you don't have guidance if you're not told this is the road you're supposed to move on it, it takes more a vision to say I'm going to carve my own way of existing out in the world? Uh, maybe for Frank Lloyd Wright, <laughs> a.k.a. genius, but um, for like an average person, I don't know if I buy that. Okay. I mean, and now I'm just buying into his mythology because I'm like, yeah, it's cool for geniuses to do it. <laughs> um, I don't, I, I think it's almost harder though than yeah. to have limits that you have to work within. Yeah. So if you could have one rule or limit that didn't apply to you, like oh. it even could be down to, since we're talking about spooky stuff, you could you could murder for free. <laughs> just as an example. You don't have to pick that one. But if you could pick any law, limit, rule, and just say it doesn't apply to me, what would you pick? 
the law of gravity, I would like to fly. <laughs> I would like to fly through the air. <laughs> that sounds uh, that sounds very good. Yeah. Uh, would you want to be able to go fast, or do you just want to be able to float? Um, I wouldn't mind uh, being able to control my speed, so maybe go fast sometimes. <laughs> okay, yeah, so you break uh, the rules, and then you make your own rules. Yeah. Not only do I float up into the air, I, I can point the direction I want to go. Yep, you got it. <laughs> Just like a superhero. We're going to move on to our How Obsessed Are You questions. Uh, so this is a special, different episode where we're mostly talking about a spooky, horrible thing. So it's going to be extra weird. Uh, <laughs> do you think about the murder mistress mansion every day? Not every day. Um, but I would say I think about it at least twice a month because that's how often I'm volunteering at Hollyhock House. Okay. And I always think about it when I'm there. Okay, so it is a big enough part of Frank Lloyd Wright to you now that you think about it every time you are directly interacting with another one of his houses. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And that's at minimum. I think my friends would probably say I think about it more because they've heard me talk about it a lot. So there's there's only so much to this story. How does it come up in casual conversation? <laughs> <laughs> well, I um, I like to host weekly picnics at Barnstall Art Park. Yeah, it's great. And yeah, I, I love it there. And I love having my friends come and hang out there. And it inevitably always comes up at least at one point during most of those okay. picnics. Usually after a wine or two. Okay. And somebody hasn't heard about it before. And yeah, you're like, well, let me tell you. Inevitably, someone will be at the picnic that that week that has not heard it. Okay. And I'm like, well, gather around. Let's talk <laughs> about the murders. Would you want to write a book about the history of this house? Oh, um, I don't think so because I think Death in a Prairie House did it so well. Okay. I don't know that I could add much more to it yeah um maybe a fictional i don't know i don't i don't know not even if i don't even know that i'd want to go in the fictional route like a loving frank situation i just think that enough has been so much has been said about it at this point okay that i don't think i would do you have interest in in creative writing is that a thing that you want to do um i have done it i've dabbled in that um i i wouldn't i wouldn't say no to that i i think um i would probably want to go in like the creative nonfiction sort okay. of direction probably about old-timey crimes <laughs> okay but not this one this one's maybe covered. not this one but maybe maybe a different one yeah it's such a great structure for a story of like the house that will not die mm-hmm. in all the different ways that could be all the ways that one could destroy a house <laughs> yeah it just keeps coming back <laughs> would you watch a movie about all this made by michael bay <laughs> that's a hell of a face you i made. just made a real sour face yeah. i don't i don't think i would um i no i don't think i would uh is it just because you feel like that particular artist would disrespect the source material? There's that. I also just think about every time I've watched a, a movie preview of a Michael Bay movie, and I always feel like uh, I'm watching like the biggest action movie, that, and it's just very yeah. jolting and jarring and sort of makes me feel a little jittery. Okay. So no, I don't think I'd want to see the the. <laughs> big explosion version of it <laughs> okay would you be excited if a uh filmmaker that you liked was was telling the story you... oh yeah i would okay. watch the heck out of that yeah. movie 
Did you go see the Winchester movie? No, but I'm so mad. I really want to watch it this Halloween. Yeah, we were dead set on seeing it. And then the reviews were like, don't do this with your body or your mind, you fools. I know. They were like, it was like, no, Helen Mirren, no. (laughs) What have you done? And I was like, no, but I still really want to see it. But now I'll just, we'll just Netflix it or something. I really want to watch it, though, because it looks spooky it looks spooky and a little on the old cheesy side oh absolutely like it's truly truly like yep winchester uh, mansion was totally haunted definitely doors slamming and everything (laughs) uh yeah i would be very fascinated because i am just sort of um mystified that this isn't a larger story and i get really excited Mm -hmm. by real life stories where um a story just feels like a hallway full of doors. Like there's so many different ideas about the human condition and about history to mm-hmm. approach in this story. Mm-hmm. So I would love uh, if a decent filmmaker made it or a crappy one. Yeah. I could see like uh, like Guillermo del Toro making Ooh. a real like spooky sort of uh, creepy weird lights. Yeah. Sounds <laughs> kind of version of it that I would be into. I but with think. like some heart to it and some yeah, hum- humanity. Yeah. Like. Definitely. Definitely. Um yeah, the monster would also be have a, a soul. Yeah, okay. So, yes, there would also be a, a fish man there, too. Probably, probably. <laughs> uh, if you were offered, would you take over the tour program of the house? Of Taliesin? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I probably would do that. I mean, I don't want to live in Wisconsin. Yeah. But... Yeah, I would totally. That sounds like a great job. <laughs> sounds like a really great job. But you would want to be... Uh, in that story all the time um yeah because well so i think there's so many other stories i like this one in particular but i know there are so many other stories to tell about that house in taliesin and all the things that happen there that i think if you're in charge of all the tours you have to consider those things as well um are there other big, like, well-known Frank Lloyd Wright uh, stories that Frank Lloyd Wright fans are like, yep, that's my favorite story from Taliesin was I think, not the murder, but this other cool time. Yeah, I I, I assume there are. I okay. think you can take tours just of, like, the garden. Like, okay. people get real niche over there um, with the tour things that they can do. I think they also have special events where you can go drink wine and cheese and have a cocktail Um kind of situation okay too. so they do lots of things there okay but the murders are just one one small part one small part okay cool uh would you name anything uh, uh taliesin am i saying that right yeah you got it okay uh would you name anything after taliesin would you name a pet that a cat if you built oh. a house would you call it that oh i wouldn't call my house that um but i would consider naming a, a dog or a cat that Okay. I, I totally would. I totally would. I like to name pets. It's like one of my secret <laughs> secret powers. Um, and I, 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 would, I would like that. That sounds like a, yeah. a cool name. Now, why do you feel like this is one of your uh, powers in life? That you can just see an animal and you know what they should be called? Um, yeah, I'm real good at coming up with names. So, like, I had a cat named Napkin Von Hamburger. <laughs> and it was a perfect name for her. Um, but, yes, I have uh, met many many pets and have been solicited to help name a number of pets um okay my my work speaks for itself (laughs) (laughs) so if you saw the right cat where taliesin came to mind you'd say sure why not yeah of course yeah or like a little maybe like a a little cockapoo puppy (laughs) could also be taliesin i think okay i could see that okay uh 
And if you, this is a side question, but if you did build your own mansion, do you have an idea of what you would want to call it? Or would it be like you'd build it and then you'd look at it like it was a cat and say, Yeah, I might have to wait. Napkins Fun, Butterfingers or whatever. (laughs) I would, I think, yeah, I do always have to see the pet before I can name it. I think that would be true for a a mansion as well. Okay. I'd have to see it before I could really decide what it was going to be called. Now I really want you to build a mansion because I want to go to the name revealing party. (laughs) We would have a big to do about it. Yeah. Uh, Would you donate to make sure that uh, Taliesin is up to modern fire code? Um, No, because they've got enough donors. Uh, (laughs) I mean, sure. I would. Yeah, I'd give them five bucks. Yeah. If they were just like, all right, just out of. Out of historical fear, we want to double check. Yeah, I I take it back. That we I don't would, burn I would, down again. I would definitely, yes, I would absolutely give them money for that. Okay. Um, because a lot of Frank Lloyd Wright's designs have been lost because of those fires. Ooh. And it's really sad um, that we don't have a lot of that those blueprints and materials to go back and look at from his archives. So, yes, I, I take it all back. I would absolutely donate money because we shouldn't lose any more of it. Okay. Fair enough. Would you want to have a birthday party at the house? Oh, um, sure. Why not? That sounds great. <laughs> that was the opposite face from the uh, the Michael Bay sour face. Yeah, I, was like, Ooh. I, I would totally have like a murder mansion uh, birthday party. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I'm actually trying to think of what to do for my birthday next month, and this seems like a great plan. <laughs> I might look into that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, we'll we'll fly to Wisconsin. Well, great. All your friends will fly to Wisconsin. <laughs> Uh, would you want to watch a scary movie like late at night there or would that kind of thing you seem like have a really interesting relationship with what things spook you out and what things don't yeah i don't think i could do that oh wow because um, scary movies i i don't do scary movies right, very well like scary and movies. so yeah they just really make me very anxious so watching one in in a house at night might be a little too spooky for okay. me what if it wasn't a scary movie? What if it was like Paddington 2? Oh, sure. I'd watch that. And, uh, no problem. No question. No problem. Although I think his furniture is notoriously uncomfortable, so it might not be f- great to watch it there. But Yeah, frankly, Wright didn't have binge watching in mind, did he? No, he wasn't thinking about it. <laughs> All right. Now I like the idea of your birthday party where we watch Paddington 2 <laughs> in the room where the murders happen. Yay. Uh, if you were about to enter uh, Taliesin for the first time, but a bear wearing a scary mask blocked your way, would you try to get around the bear? It has a scary mask because it's October. Yeah, because we're recording it's spooky. This. Spooky. Spooky. Um, I think... Uh... I think my answer is the same as the last time I was here, which is yes. I would definitely, um, I would definitely get around that bear. Yeah. As as I, I think I told you this. Um, I have bear training about how Ooh, to deal with the right. bears. Be bigger than the bear. Yeah. So I would, I would have no problem with that. Okay, maybe. you would deal with the bear. Yeah. Would you be? I put the the scary mask on the bear in this yeah. question in our imaginations. You know, for Halloween times. Sure. Would you be more or less frightened if you encountered a bear with a scary mask? I would be more frightened <laughs> okay. because why is a bear wearing a mask? Yeah. It's kind of weird. But I would also wonder if the bear was into like a performance art troupe. <laughs> Maybe that bear is just from Cirque du Soleil. Yeah, yeah you never I mean, know. It could be. Anything's possible. <laughs> All right. Uh, can you make a noise to sum up your obsession with this house? Murder. <laughs> you knew that was coming. <laughs> I really didn't. Uh, there are a lot of fingers. Uh, this is not a video podcast. So there's a lot of wiggling fingers uh, when she says murder. Murder. Uh, 
I want to rate your obsession or have you rate your obsession uh, on a scale of one to, uh, let's say, three, uh, the number of times the house burned down, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> so on a scale of one to three, it's not that wide of a range, but how obsessed are you? Uh, three, definitely three. Three. Okay, you feel like you are super, super I'm, obsessed with I'm, this. Yeah, I'm really into it. I think it's real... Uh creepy and spooky and i yeah. like it i like it a lot <laughs> good so you uh do you like talking about it more or thinking about it more i like talking about it more because i think it's such a fun story to be told i know that sounds real creepy because i'm like i'm talking about murder but i think it's a it's a fun story to tell out loud yeah. to other people because it has so many weird twists and turns along the way um reading about it is also fine yeah but Telling it to other people is, yeah. is real fun. Well, that's really cool to hear about a spooky uh, obsession that you like to share with others. <laughs> <laughs> you you think you know about horror. Let me tell you about this. Uh, where can people find you on social media? Do you have anything coming up that you want to plug? Um, as always, you can find me at Hollyhock House giving tours uh, twice a month, usually on Saturdays or Sundays. Um, I think that's... I don't have a whole lot else. I, I'm just... A person um but you can find me on uh twitter at stars and gen's eyes um yeah yeah that's where i'm at will you be tweeting about this over the halloween month well now i will okay that's a great idea (laughs) i will excellent i'm looking forward to following along with that i have tweeted about it before so why not why not again why not more there's always more to say about it more more Here's some uh, quick plugs for this show, and then we'll do our final questions. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook. is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host. That's called Force Center. For info on all my upcoming shows in comedy albums, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com, and you can support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Info on that is patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. You can listen to all those bonus episodes uh, my wife Sarah and I do, including the one about Winchester. Oh, man, that place is weird. It is weird. It was a good one, though. I liked that episode. Oh, good, good. Yeah. Good oh, one. man, I loved it. I uh, like that place a lot. I love it so much. Just the idea that uh, my favorite thing about it, and I'm sure I said it on the episode, but my, that the idea that ghosts who haunt it would be so dumb, they wouldn't figure out where doors are. Like, <laughs> that door's not where it's supposed to be, so the ghosts can't get in. What? Nope. No ghosts in here. <laughs> Real dumb ghosts. Yep. <laughs> uh, all right. Our final questions. These are spooky themed for Halloween. If you could shoot one of these two things out of your hand, which would you choose? Knives or candy corn? Um, candy corn. Okay. Because a lot of people don't like it. And so it feels just as much of a weapon as knives do. <laughs> like, back off. Yeah. I got candy corn flying Ooh, out. And people would be like, oh, I don't like that. Ooh, that's gross. It tastes like sugar. <laughs> I don't like the way it feels on my teeth. It's scary. <laughs> uh, would you, do you like candy corn? I'm all right with it. It's not my favorite candy. Um, it's not my preferred Halloween candy, but okay. I'm not mad about it. It's all right. So if you just woke up with that superpower, if this was like a weird Twilight Zone episode and you woke up tomorrow after doing this podcast, like I can shoot candy corn in my hands, <laughs> would you be like, eh? You know what I would do? The first thing I would do is I would find like a kiddie pool and just fill it <laughs> with candy corn from my hands and just like hang out in it. But not eat it. Okay. You would swim in it. I'd swim. I'd swim in the candy corn before eating it. is just indulgence. That's what rich people are doing right now for Halloween. (laughs) Swimming in candy corn. In their mansions. In those mansions where murder is going to (laughs) happen. That's not fair. Anyway, if you could be a vampire, a zombie, or a ghost, which would you choose? Oh, I would be a ghost. Yeah? Hands down. I think zombies are dumb. Um, 
and scientifically impossible, which I know is a flawed <laughs> argument because all so are vampires and ghosts. But yeah. ghosts just like have a lot more freedom. I feel like they yeah. can go anywhere they want. Uh, vampires, you got to invite them in your house. Like I don't want to wait for them. no. I just want to be a ghost that can go everywhere and do whatever I want. Okay, and haunt the heck out of people. All right. So you really believe in ghosts? To follow up on our conversation, when I think of ghosts, I think stuck in a place because something happened there which there are many interpretations of ghosts that's just the one i uh, obsess on yeah you imagine a casper friendly ghost like ghost that's just like i'm gonna go hang out in chipotle for a while and then i'm gonna go to the movies i think genius ghosts can do that (laughs) but i think regular ghosts have to stay where they are (laughs) you're a brilliant ghost who has the burden of not having rules. No, I have no rules. I'm a lawless ghost. <laughs> that is awesome. The final question for everyone on the podcast is, what is happiness? I'll be honest. I do enough podcasts that I can't remember what you answered last time. I can't either. <laughs> um, let's see if you say the same thing. Um, let's see. Happiness is uh, when you like two very different things and then they come together in a Venn diagram <laughs> like this for me. I think that is a very good answer. Thank you so much for doing the podcast. Thank you. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. I'd also watch Josie and the Pussycats and Taliesin.